Welcome to the dive table. I'm Jay Gardner, as always, and with me is Mr. Nicholas Hogel. Nick, how are you doing today? I am doing great. It is a somewhat windy day, and I'm loving it. You're loving the wind? It's, you know, it's like, isn't that the old Irish proverb or whatever? Proverb, whatever you call it, the wind at your back? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if they meant that by been like good sailing, but yes, you're having a good day. You're having good sailing today. Yeah. Okay. May the wind be at your back. Yes, good. Well, we're happy you've chosen to spend some time with us today, and we hope you take something away from today's episode, um, even if it is just to laugh at us, laugh with us, cry with us, whatever you want to do. Don't cry with us. I don't want. I don't want to see that. Cry on my shoulder with the wind <laughs> on my back. Wow, we're, this is going somewhere. Well, let let yeah, this is gonna be a fun one. <laughs> podcast for scuba divers everywhere take your seat at the dive table with your hosts nick hogel and jay gardner all right nick so we're tackling uh i think it's going to be a big topic it'll be interesting but maybe more um informational topic um and with some opinions attached to the back end of it than our typical episodes which are just you and i spewing our opinions and disagreeing sometimes and agreeing sometimes but we decided for this episode to tackle um the question what's the difference between certification training and coaching and i have a feeling that this topic is going to go in many different directions but it's really it's a really important discussion as it relates to how the industry is built up how we divers navigate that industry and the options that are available to us. And ultimately all of these things, whether it be certification, training or coaching are models, quote unquote, for scuba diving instruction. It's a way that we do scuba diving instruction and we hope that instruction leads to development. But the approach of these models is, is different um, and evolving, I think. And so I went and, and wanted to start with what the definition of a model is. And that is really system, really easy. Is basically a model is a system or a thing used as an example to follow or imitate. So when we talk about certification model, it's a system that others can follow or imitate in a way that they do scuba instruction. We talk about training. It's a model that others you know, can use, a system that people can use, follow or imitate. Same thing with coaching. And what's interesting about this is that scuba diving, I think, in general, is a very young sport slash activity slash hobby, whatever you want to call it. Um, and the first real instruction model was developed in the 70s uh, by John Cronin. And really, it was Ralph Erickson, which we have a unique connection to Ralph Erickson. But the first scuba instruction model that kind of moved away from the military being the only place you got instructed on scuba came from you know ralph erickson in the 70s and so it's relatively new it's a relatively new activity which means the instruction of that activity is also relatively new and it will continue to evolve and so i think this topic's really interesting i think it's going to be a really interesting uh discussion and i'm looking forward to having that conversation with you um just to feed back on that a little bit uh we do have a unique uh, situation, I guess, with the Ralph Erickson because the course director to 
Um, the shop that I actually instruct out of is Karen Erickson, who hopefully I'm, I'm really hoping at some point we have her as a guest on the show. Uh, but she is still active in the in the Central Texas area, which is really cool. Um, Karen Erickson, shout out. She was my uh, IDC staff, or she was my instructor, but she's the course director at the shop that I'm currently working out of. And how that relates to Ralph Erickson is... That, that oh I'm sorry I didn't even mention yeah. that uh, that's his wife that's his wife so Ralph is no longer with us um, but Karen uh, was married to Ralph obviously Karen Erickson so right and and Ralph Erickson John Cronin were the founders of Patty yes founders right, of Patty yeah. uh, yes for all you individuals who don't know who what Patty is I'm totally kidding <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah it's a the largest scuba organization certifying organization in the world. So let's start this conversation maybe more informational than our opinions uh, with this first part, which is what are the differences between the certification model, the training model, and the coaching model? So let's just define these things up front so that we're clear about what we're talking about. So what is the certification model in, in your word and understanding? Uh, well, let me I, – I would like to hear your definition and then I'll go – I'll feedback on it. Oh, goodness. Okay, yeah, so we'll start with that. So certification essentially is – we are going to certify um, a diver. It's a model that says when you take a, a class and you meet the class requirements, so these could be performance requirements, they could be education, uh, what, what are now called knowledge reviews, I believe, um, requirements, they could be um, other requirements. But when you meet those requirements um, to a standard in which the agency that is going to give you that certification finds as an adequate standard, then they will certify you in that skill, in that type of diving, in that um, you know particular thing. And the, obviously, the the biggest certification is the beginning certification for everybody, which is open water. Which open water, an open water certification has the ramification or the meaning that then you can rent scuba cylinders and get scuba cylinders filled. So if you walk into a shop, they're going to ask you for your uh, C card is often what it's referred to, your certification card. And you show them your open water card, and now you can rent a tank, a full tank from them, or get your tank filled. And then there's other uses for the certifications like nitrox, um, which is uh, enriched air um, gas, uh, meaning if you don't know what nitrox is, it's more oxygen in it. So typically 32% oxygen, right? The rest nitrogen is considered nitrogen or is considered nitrox. So if you want to buy a nitrox fill or rent a nitrox tank, you would likely have to show, or you should have to show, your nitrox certification. Yeah. So there Enriched are some air. of those. Yeah. Uh, others of them, really, like, th those cards are just for your, like, there's probably no boat in the world that requires you to show a drift diving <laughs> certification, <laughs> right? Um, but maybe. So some of those are just for your own. Um, uh Enriched air, I think that the definition is anything usually over 21% nitrox, anything over 21% oxygen. Um, just throwing that out yeah, there. Sorry, but no, 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 it's totally fine. Uh, but um, the certification, I think, too, uh, any time, most places that if you want to do a dive with a resort or a center, you know, you're often Cozumel, you're often Bonaire or whatnot, they're going to need, they're going to require, they should require a certification card of some sort. Most of the time it's going to be your open water, you know, oh, here's my open water cert. I, you know, went like, like Jay was just saying, I met all the standards to get certified in, in this, uh, 
you know, my open water certification or whatnot. So um, definitely there's a lot of different places that are going to want to see a certification card. And there's even places out there that probably won't. But to be honest, I just wouldn't go with those places because it's, they're, they're not going to be held accountable if something happens. Yeah. So the certification model is the most widely used model. I think it's safe to say in the scuba industry today is that you're going to get certification cards which means you met a standard and then it it yeah. also has potentially it has um you know f a functional use which is to either rent tanks get on a boat um get fills those sorts of things um i think the only other place that those start to matter is when you get into maybe cave diving um th then they're going to ask you some some caves before you even get to the location are going to ask you for your cave cert your cave one your cave two or something like that so there are some functional uses to the certification that you might get but it's a model used i think widely in scuba diving as a way to do scuba instruction yes um and uh because you mentioned all three right the training coaching you mentioned all three at yeah. some point um so some might say that you're training for a certification but training is very broad so that's not necessarily oh i've trained for the certification um i guess you could say that but you know I was coached into training for the certification. Oh, man, now you're just mixing everything <laughs> up. So to sort all that out, so you're not confused, certification model, let's talk about the no, training No, no, I'm jo model. I was joking. Yeah. yeah, I'm totally joking. So yeah. training model, you want me to go first or you want to go first? Go for it. Go for it, yeah. Okay, so the training model, for me, I put this in the category of like skills camps or uh, events that you're doing around training or specific training for a specific skill. So you might be doing training on uh, deep, right? The deep certification, yes, that exists, but you could also just train deep. And let's say that you're gonna use Trimix or 2525 on a dives deeper than 100 feet. You're, you can be training. You can also do training as a team. So that might just be self-training. So for example, like a quick IDC update for everybody out there. I'm in the middle of my IDC. My IDC is virtual. Um, I have a coach, which we'll talk about in the coaching model, and I have to complete things daily. It's not like a weekly curriculum. It's a daily curriculum. And so I have to do training. And what I'm training right now is a lot of in the pool, specific skill sets, holding buoyancy within, I think our standard is 0.1 meters. So it's kind of crazy while task loading. So I've got to shoot 0.1 meter. What is yeah, that? Like, like six, a six inches, half a foot, um, something like that. So I've got a task load while holding that buoyancy, you know, uh, up and down and hold position front and back, um, while doing these things. So I'm training right now and I'm training skill sets. So basic six is essentially a skill set, remove, replace regulator, right? Remove, uh, replace and, and exchange regulators, those sorts of things. I'm training those things, not cause I don't know how to do them, I need to learn how to do them within 0.1 meter of buoyancy and at demonstration quality. So that's training to me. Who who do you think is or the training like what individual would want to go towards training as opposed to sort of like 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 does that make does that question make sense? Yeah. I, okay. Well, let's get into that in the next section because we're okay. kind of defining things now. But I, I hope everybody. But we'll, we'll, I'll tell you why. <laughs> but I don't think that's the answer. I think training's a, a model that um, sometimes gets gets glossed over or passed over in what's available to you in, in your development. 
All right, last model is the coaching model. So again, you want me to go first here? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, you have you. I mean, I, 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 I like you have the definition. I mean, I have, you know, uh, what my definitions are. But I mean, they're going to be pretty similar to probably what most people think is certification, what most people think is coaching, what most people think is uh, training. Um, I, I think that they all tie in together. That's why we're we're having this topic. Uh, but I don't I don't think my definition will be drastically different than what most people would think. I'm I'm going. That's why I like your idea of what you're telling me because I'm like, oh, okay, I can feedback off of that. So. Okay, gotcha. So yeah, coaching um, as a model definition is really having somebody there that is let's say guiding and and um coaching you through your training and they might have specific things that they want you to do the other part of coaching is that they're going to observe pieces and feed that back to you so it's it's a little bit different than let's say the certification model in the sense that the certification model a lot of that happens in a class setting coaching is more of a daily setting Coaching can result in certification for sure, but it's more of a model that isn't focused on the certification outcome. It's more focused on improving around the goal that the the student is wanting and the coach is trying to help them reach that goal. So that's kind of the differences in the model. So you wouldn't consider an instructor a coach? No, I think they, they are. I wouldn't consider the coaching model and the certification model the same. I think okay. they're different models. An instructor is also a coach, is also a babysitter, is also a, <laughs> right, like all kinds of things. Yeah. But but they play a critical role in all three of these. But as models, they're different rather than the people that are in the model are different. Okay. Um, no, I, I like it. So when when you say model, this is just a, a, a learning uh, a learning, not tool, but a, a, a different ways for people to learn. It's like, oh, are you going to go the coaching method? Or are you going to go the certification method? Or are you going to go the training method? Yeah, it's different okay. different ways of doing scuba instruction, and hopefully the outcome of that instruction becomes development of the diver. Okay. I like it. I like it. Good. So those are, again, more informational. Those are three models. Uh, you're, you're likely a part of, have seen one or two of these um, if you're a diver already. That's more informational, but let's get into our opinions. So if I'm a new diver or I'm a diver, let's not even put the qualification that I have to be new in order for this to happen. Which one do I want for my personal development? So really, how do I choose between them? Uh, which one do I use when? Is there one that's better than the other one or one that's worse? Like, how do I navigate these three models? Because they're all out there. They're available to me. How do I engage with them as a diver? Uh, I guess it's it's up uh, a few episodes ago. I can't remember. Uh, we were speaking about this. It's it's up to – we were talking about training, I think, right? What, what was – I can't remember. It was like a few episodes ago. Uh, but we were talking about, oh, you know, where does it – I guess it, it's, it all depends on the individual, um, what do you want? Do you just want a certification? We talk about C cards like, Oh, I just want that other C card or, um, I want to train. That's why I think a little bit earlier, I was just asking, um, who, who in your mind is the training geared towards who would that appeal to? What diver would that appeal to? So what, I mean, if you want to, are we there yet or no? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's go. I mean, so yeah. So if you, when it comes to training, I would think 
if you've identified um, something that you want to work on, you've identified an area that you want to work on. For example, let's let's just start with the basic, most important area, which is buoyancy, right? You want to work on your buoyancy control. You want to work on being able to hold your position in the water column. To me, yes, there are classes that could help you explore that. But those classes are really just to show you how to train the right way. They're not necessarily like you don't come out of the class and you've mastered buoyancy. Like, I don't know how many classes I've already taken and how much I've trained. I wouldn't say I'm a master of buoyancy yet, right? I'm going to continue to get better. So the class is really there to teach you how to train. Then the training becomes me going on dives with the intention of improving my buoyancy. Now that may be measured in different ways. We may be working on different things. We know like if you want to improve buoyancy, it's not just, oh, focus on your breathing. It's also, hey, you got to focus on proper weighting. You need to focus on proper finning techniques. You need to focus on the exposure suit. You need to focus on your breathing and, and how you're doing that when you're task loading. So it's not just one thing. And so you might focus one dive simply on proper weighting, right? And that might be 100% your dive and you're training buoyancy at that point. So I think training is really around maybe the, the diver that's taking responsibility over their development. And that may be a training regiment that you ask a coach to help you with or instructor to help you with put together. But the training is really you getting in the water with intent, measuring the results by either videotaping yourself or being observed by somebody who can give you feedback and then looking at areas for improvement would be. And I hope, that's why I said earlier, I hope it's every diver. I hope every diver wants to get better and goes and trains it in a certain way with intent. But who's it geared toward? Well, it's geared toward somebody who wants to improve a specific thing and they're going to put a regiment in place to do that thing. Yeah, so I, I think that, yes, if you're going towards your IDC, yes, go out and train. If you're going towards um, wanting to improve on something, go and train um, as opposed to what about, you know, I, I know we bring this up all the time, but the five diver person a year, you know, why, why would necessarily, like, how would you can, why, how would you convince them that they should be training? Oh, I, I would say before they go on their five dives, they should go train a couple of other dives just to get back comfortable under the water. Right. I would say that's training. And maybe you would say, let's train on, I, I think they have a class for this. Uh, it was reactivate or something like that. And the yeah, there's, system. there's reactivate. I think Patty refresher, I believe is probably gonna be like, SSA. The, but yeah, there's six there's, months or something. What's the timeline? Uh, the, they say that if you haven't dove in dove, is that right? Uh, if you haven't been diving in six months that you should get some sort of refresher course. I think that's very, uh, also, I think that also depends on the individual because yes, if you're doing five dives a year and you know, it's been a year since you dove, you'd probably want to go get some sort of refresher course. And the biggest thing is just so you can feel comfortable. Like I wouldn't recommend anybody go and, Oh, you haven't been diving. You're about to do a trip. The last thing you want to do is get out to where you're going. And then you're feeling really uncomfortable on the boat. You just spent a bunch of money to go diving. You're like, oh, crap, I can't remember anything. Go get a refresher. Get a reactivate. Basically, it's just getting you in the pool, breathing, uh, making you feel comfortable underneath the water again. But that is also up to the individual. If if you have an a individual that's dove every day for five years, you know, they could probably take a year off and they would be fine. You know, I mean, I wouldn't recommend it, but they would 
realistically they could probably take a little bit of time off go back to diving and it's just like riding a bike so i think it depends on the individual but what i was going or the question i was asking is i'm a diver i do one trip a year why would i necessarily want to go and train to be better at something when it's just a it's 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 a recreational hobby you know i i'm doing a family trip like why would i want to train i know why i think they should train but i'm asking you to to um, i'm asking you why would you tell them to go train more well my answer as opposed to certification yeah my answer to that would be really simple it kind of drafts off the same thing that you're saying but the biggest reason i would say to that diver was to have more fun on your trip right to have more fun when you're out there when you get in the water right on your trip now you're not uncomfortable or fumbling around forgetting how to do something or whatever it might be if you spend a week or whatever before your trip and you get back in the pool i mean the reactivate is essentially training with under the supervision of an instructor because you're not going to get a reactivate certification you know what i mean like that's not what comes out of that is to get you more comfortable so i think if you're going to spend the money on a big dive trip to spend a couple of days prior to the trip or a week prior to the prior to the trip getting in a pool getting in your lake getting in your local ocean whatever that might be your local dive site and training a bit whether that be under the instruction or under the supervision of a dive master or something like that or if you feel comfortable enough to go ahead and do that by yourself if you go get in that water prior to your trip it's only going to make your trip that much better because then you're not taking two or three dives of beautiful reef diving that you wanted to do constantly stressed out about oh i don't remember how to do that or i don't remember how to do that or what's that term mean again that's what i would say and then i think the second reason i would say so one is have more fun on your trip but the second one if you haven't dove in a year and you're a five dive you know a year diver which i think that's totally fine there's nothing wrong with that for your own safety i think it's worth doing a bit of training before you get back on the boat and i i've been on boats where it was clear these people were, you know, these divers were doing a couple of dives a year, whatever it would be. And this was them right <laughs> on that boat. And they got in the water and one of one is had a huge panic situation because it just wasn't comfortable. You know, it wasn't comfortable to her. And she felt she panicked. She freaked out. Things started going wrong. And we know how that panic monkey works. It's kind of what people describe as an incident pit. It just went downhill from there to the point that we thumbed the dive everybody that was there we you know the the dive guide or whoever thumbed the dive we all came up after like 15 minutes something like that and she sat on the boat for the rest of the day to me probably maybe i won't say it would have been but maybe that's solved by getting in the pool the week before and getting refamiliar with scuba gear and if you don't have your own gear it's cheap relatively cheap to go rent gear for a day to get back in the pool or whatever um, but that's why i'd say one have more fun on your dive. Don't sit on the boat for the next four dives because it, you know, you had that moment. And two, for your personal safety, we don't say it enough. Diving is dangerous. Um, you are at risk when you go under the water, even at, at foot five, right under the water. And so to pr- have more safety, I think it's worth doing again. Training doesn't have to be a crazy regimen. It could be, I'm going to go down. My intention is I'm going to go down to 60 feet and I'm going to come back up. Or I'm going to go down to 30 feet and for 10 minutes and i'm going to come back up and make my safety stop if i'm diving that profile or i'm going to do my mendico stops if i'm diving that ascent profile and i'm going to be able to feel more comfortable under the water i i definitely like the safety standpoint um 
but I, I think the the fun it's kind of a hard sell just because uh, it goes back to we don't know what we don't know right like we're looking at that person uh, their their trim might be absolutely horrible they're doing absolutely stupid things under the water but they're having a blast you know so it's like ah but I, I like the safety it's like oh you know you train um, and, and I guess I, I just didn't really look at it like oh doing a reactivate is training it's I, I just looked at it as like oh I'm just getting more comfortable but I guess it is training in, in, in the long run as a model yeah. it's training yeah. right if you put categorize it as a model it's training when i there's no certification involved. yeah because when i think of training it's it's like oh okay i'm i'm doing something to get better like uh, uh i have a student that i've been working with and um i tell him go out and dive and essentially like you're you go i'm not telling him to go out and train but i guess it is it's like go out and dive get more comfortable because i, I guess that's training i guess i don't know well I, I think the difference maybe in my mind and this doesn't mean it's right is the intention around that dive so if it's just go out and dive and keep doing the things that you were doing wrong before even though you want to improve you're you're practicing or diving or building bad habits strokery <laughs> strokery right if you're if you're have intent about improving something and you've been taught or you've learned the way to, to practice that then train that becomes training because you're you're practicing it in the right way you're training it to get better at that thing so i think just go out and dive which i've heard that advice before without in just go out and dive without intent doesn't necessarily for me qualify as training because you're not intending to put focus on a certain area whatever that might be maybe it's just maybe it's just a frog kick right it's something as simple as that training to me implies i have an intent and it might be a regiment it might be a single intent it might be something else that I'm going to train on this dive rather than I'm just going to go on the dive and whatever happens, happens. I'm not focused on anything specifically. Hmm. I mean, I guess there's, cause I, I, I enjoy that. <laughs> I enjoy just going for a dive too. I, I would not say every dive is a training dive. Yeah. There are, when you, when you do a training dive, it's the purpose of it is training. Yes. When you go on a dive, like you and I go have some fun together. I mean, we've been on both. Yeah. We said, Hey, let's go, let's go train side mount when you were in your side mount kit, right? For the, for the first few times. Great, let's go train it. And you were focused very specifically on your 500 PSI switches, right? So it, just again, if you don't know the, the, if you dive side mount, you have two bottles right on either side. You wanna keep those within about 500 PSI of each other, right? It's never an exact science, but you know, close to 500 PSI. So what you don't want is one bottle to have 3000 PSI and one to have a thousand, why? <laughs> because the, the weight of the gas is different, right? And so you're gonna be listing to one side um, just because the weight of the gas is different. So you're training that. We've also gone on dives where we're like, yeah, we've seen that stump 700 times, but let's go see it again. You know, like, no worries. Um, and it's just for fun, you know? And we've also been on dives where we said, hey, let's practice our ascent profile. Yeah. And let's look at the graph afterwards and let's see how did we do? Oh, we, we did pretty well here, we didn't do great here. And so there, you know, those, the intent is really the difference between those dives. The water's the same, the stump's the same, but our intent was was different. In those I dives. think that after you hit a certain number, and I'm not saying I've dove millions of thousands of times, um, millions but, of thousands, yeah, I know, uh, <laughs> thousands of millions, what you know, uh, but I, I think after you've been diving so much, it it all becomes training. I guess because you're, if you're, you know, out there, it's your thou, you know, one thousand and eight, you know, thousand eighteenth dive or whatever you want to call it. Uh, 
you're you're looking to improve. I mean, something's continually bringing you out there, um, whether it be you're an instructor or you're a dive master going on another dive. Uh, you're always there's always a continual improvement. If that makes sense, um, it might just be, oh, let me, you know, I came up with 750 PSI on that hour long dive. Let me try to come up with 800 PSI and then, you know, 850 or, um, you know, I know for a long time and this is dumb, but I was like, I really want to be able to do ring bubbles. So <laughs> I'm going to do this. They look so cool. And right? I feel like I've gotten it down pretty good but i'm not perfect yet so is there a specialty course for that there should be there should be uh the the i i've i've only seen a few people being able to do the one-handed ring bubble Ooh. and yeah it's that's actually quite nice I always joke that there should be a specialty course for getting your left arm into your harness <laughs> <laughs> after you've already got your right arm on yeah so Put it, putting your left. gear putting your gear on um with a dry suit on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and I think for me, if I think about these three models, certification, training, and coaching, we haven't talked a lot about the coaching model, but I would look at it as certification, that model is really appropriate when you need a functional certification card. So if I need to get on a boat and it requires an advanced open water diver, and that's the vacation I want to take, certification as a model is very useful at that point. Um, or nitrox for, or cave or some of these things that require a proof that you've demonstrated skills to somebody and an agency has said those have been good enough to certify you in that. It doesn't necessarily mean that you, you've nailed those skills. It just means that you have a card that you've demonstrated proficiency at least once in those skills. So I think that's an appropriate model there. Training, I think it is an appropriate model when you want to get better. Now, how do you utilize these together? Obviously, I don't need a dry suit certification card. There's never going to be, they're going to sell me a dry suit if I walk in and ask for a dry suit. Very rarely am I going to ask for a dry suit uh, card, or, or do they? I don't think they do. Some, some places some will, do. Okay. yeah, just because so a lot of places, if you're going to go in and buy you a, or buy your, buy, buy you a dry suit, uh, <laughs> if, if you're going to go and buy a dry suit, they might just throw it in. They're like, hey, we'll throw in the free course to train you or certify you. But in, to buy one, you'd have to. Like if I walked into a shop and I wanted to buy a dry suit. Not necessarily. Maybe rent one. They would want to see a certification, but not necessarily buy one. But if it's a halfway decent shop, hopefully they'll be like, hey, are you certified in a dry suit? If not, we'll give you training. But, I mean, I bought a dry suit. I didn't have any training, but I also bought mine used. So, yeah. so okay, let's, let's talk about maybe um, perfect buoyancy. Or I think some other courses call this like, Peak per performance. Yeah, buoyancy. that's a patty peak performance right. buoyancy. So you can get a certification card in that. That's that's part of the certification model. Yes, but there is no functional use to that certification card. There's no one. No, ever no. Ask you it's for more that of a, a personal, more of a personal. Oh, I just want to go and take a, a peak performance buoyancy class. More right. of a personal thing. So to me, that how you blend these two models, if you're a diver trying to navigate this, is. For the ones that have functional use, like we talked about before. Your open water. Certification, yeah, open water. Advanced. advanced. That has a functional use, then the certification model, to get that card, it's really important. But other ones like performance buoyancy or your advanced navigation or your um, you know, basic search and recovery, although when it gets more uh, advanced, some of those, to be on a search and recovery dive, you have to have that. But for the ones that don't have the functional use, 
for me, the way I've used those is to say, okay, those are ways to learn to train. So the card doesn't matter. I don't care that it's certification or not, but I'm able to learn from somebody how to go train this and I can then create a training regimen based on that class to go out and train my peak performance buoyancy or my perfect buoyancy. So that's how I've kind of hacked the system together is I don't care that I own a peak performance buoyancy card. The certification doesn't matter. It does matter that I can learn how to train peak performance buoyancy or good buoyancy and I can build a regiment to go and train that from there on out, right? And so that's how I've kind of hacked the system together for myself between those two. All right. No, I like that. I definitely think, uh, and it goes back to what I've said about what I tell students is, uh, I think I use this analogy in, in, I can't remember which one, but, um, you know, open water certification, we're just, you know, we're introducing you to this, we're, uh, you know, getting, you know, you're in the first floor of the building, how high do you want to go in that building? So you can take your open water certification and really train and get better at every little aspect that we taught you in open water, or you can leave it at that and never do anything again. Um, so no, I, I like that. It, we're, you're, you're learning how to train. Yes. Essentially. I like that. Yeah. We have a saying where with the agency that, that I'm a part of where you pay for training you earn certification and that's a pretty common phrase yeah in, that's pretty in, standard um, not standard but it's well yeah. in technical diving more so it's it's a pretty standard phrase um and so you think it's more in rec uh, i mean i i think it, it, it's it's not i don't, I don't want to say more or less but it's 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 something that i constantly tell people even open water like you earn this you don't pay for it yeah. uh unfortunately there are you know, individuals out there who they're more in it for the money. Um, and that sucks. It should not be that way, but it should be, you know, cause I, I definitely say that quite a bit. You earn the certification, you don't pay for the certification. Yeah. And sometimes I think, you know, this is maybe putting on the black hat for a moment, but when I found out, and you might not know this, not you, Nick, but listeners out there, you might not know this. But instructors, at least in some agencies, and I'm not going to point fingers at which ones, but some agencies only, as an instructor, you get paid when the diver is certified. So you don't get paid prior to that certification being issued. You get paid when that certification is issued. And I've always thought, man, that that puts the instructor in a really tough position because you are you're, have two ends of a spectrum that are opposite pulling against each other. One is your personal livelihood or your... Um, ability to to make money to pay the bills in some in some ways and cases versus your own ethical standard or standard of that where that diver is and it puts the instructor in a could be I'm not saying that it always does but could put the instructor in a tough precarious place where uh, that, that student isn't necessarily as proficient as I'd like them to be but that's eh, good enough um, I want to get paid and I'm not saying that that's what instructors think I'm just saying that's the scenario that they're put in time and time again that I, I think is a tough one to be in. Yeah, I 100% agree. I there, there are different circumstances, though, because if you think about it, no no person, like if you go and pay for, you're like, oh, I'm going to take this open water class. You as the customer, as the person learning, you're paying that individual, correct? 
Uh, I guess it depends on the dynamic of the shop or if you're doing it through an independent instructor because at the end of the day, if you're doing it through an independent instructor, you just paid that individual, that person has their money. So they're, they don't have to really worry about, oh, am I going to get paid at the end of this class? Yes, if you're working for an organization where they get the organization gets paid and then you get handed out the, the money after the fact. But th that's not always the case, but it is cases and it sucks that it's like, oh, if I don't pass this certificate or if I don't pass this individual, I'm not getting paid. Uh, but that's not always the case. So regardless, uh, you, you, you might get paid if that person doesn't pass or not. Like I know in the shop that I work for, uh, if that person passes or not, um, I'm still getting paid because you put your time in, you're getting paid for your time, not necessarily for the certification that you're handing out. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say from a diver perspective, I think, I don't know if you'd agree with this, so I'll, I'll say it and we can have a discussion. Oh, we're going to argue. <laughs> <laughs> of course. But I think, uh, from a diverse perspective, the healthiest mindset to have, I think, is even if you're just starting out, especially if you are just thinking about getting your open water or you're just moving to your advanced, is that I'm paying for training and I'm going to earn my certification. And I think if you walk in with that mindset that I want to pay somebody to get trained, I'm not buying a C card. I'm not buying, although I think that's, one of the industry or it's not even the industry it's one of the problems with with the mindset of the diver walking into the shop is that they think i'm paying for a certification i don't have anyone to point a finger and blame for that i think that that's true in a lot of cases that people think i pay for that c card so regardless of my performance but what i'm saying is as a diver the healthiest mindset that you can take and have is that i'm paying for training and I'm going to earn my certification and that might come a month later or two months later or whenever I'm able to, to earn it, but I'm not paying, I'm not walking to a shop and buying a certification card. I'm walking into a shop or I'm talking to an independent instructor and I'm buying training and certification could be an outcome of that training. It doesn't always need to be. That's I, I agree that definitely should be the, the mindset going into it, but just like anything in life, there's going to be people that they, they want to pay their way through life. So that does fall. They, that does fall onto the actual individual. That's why I was, what I say in my classes, you earn this certification, you don't get paid or you're not paying for it. So, um, there's a chance that you might not earn the certification if you don't meet all the standards to pass the course. So, uh, but some people, they walk in there like, oh, I, I gave you my money. I'm getting my certification. But that's, you know, and, and there have been cases where uh, there's been very unhappy customers because it's like, no, you didn't earn it. You're not going to get your money or you're not going to get the certification because you're not you're not demonstrating that you can handle the situation. Uh, and even if you paid, there's no guarantee you're going to get a refund. If you paid and you're not meeting any of the, the standards to pass the course, then you either need to a work with the instructor to get to where you need to be or, you know, go out and train. Right. So, Oh, I forgot to do my knowledge reviews. Where's my seat? Yeah. <laughs> Believe me, it happens. Yeah. No, it does. It's, it's, it's annoying. <laughs> well, and I think a lot of the onus and what I'm, what I'm kind of driving at is a lot of the onus 
gets put on the instructor. And it's one of the things I love about you. And I think there are a lot of amazing instructors out there in multiple organizations that tow that ethical line that say, no, my standards, my, I'm not going to degrade my personal standards and pass somebody unless they demonstrate to my standard or to the standard that of my agency that skill. But I think it's a double-edged sword because right now a lot of people point at the instructor and say, oh, well, they'll certify you because they you paid for it. I think the table has to turn a little bit and to the diver and say, diver, you're not paying for like what you say, certification, you're paying for training. And if we start from that mindset, I think it sets up the instructor-student relationship a lot better than if we have the mindset as divers that we paid for the certification. Or especially if you're one that, oh, I have a dive trip next week. <laughs> you know, certify me today. Like, yeah. no, you know, like that's not safe for anybody. It's not a good scenario for anybody. So the more that we think about paying for scuba training and certification being an outcome of, of performance um, rather than an outcome of payment, I think is a really important mindset to start from or or puts us in a much healthier place as divers and instructors out there i feel um i mean i I haven't been diving for years and years um but i feel that maybe i i feel it's gotten better you over been diving in years and years no no i haven't been a diver for for a long oh, time so i, I I'm, oh, yeah i've me. i've uh i i think i got certified i think it was 2016 2015 uh is when i actually became certified and i feel that the level the standard is higher than it maybe was 10 years ago uh just because of one we live in a world where everything's online, everything's on video, everything, you know, 15, 20 years ago, if a shop got a bad rap, you know, it's more of like, oh, okay, the, uh, this is just, it's, it's through word of mouth. There was no Yelp. I mean, I don't know how old Yelp or, or TripAdvisor is, but now you can find out a lot of information just at the, your fingertips. Like, oh, okay, I'm going to go and find out about this dive shop before I go and dive there. So they have to be held more accountable. So I feel that the standards are better because if they're just doing, you know, crappy stuff to their, to their, students or their instructors or whoever, uh, they're going to be held more accountable because there's more information out there. So I feel that the standard's a little bit higher, but like I said, I don't know because I haven't been in the industry that long. So that, that's how I'm feeling, but I feel that there's better training these days than there was probably 20 years ago. Yeah. So that's the difference between training and certification, I think, and, and how you can navigate those two things. Let's talk a little bit about coaching. So coaching from all of my research and from my understanding and is that coaching is a relatively new model to the coach or to the scuba industry. Coaching is a very old model. It's not, you know, as a model itself, but its application to the scuba industry is relatively new. And I've seen it as an emerging model that is, again, complementary in some ways to the certification and training model, but is different and, and distinct enough to say that it's its own model. So definitionally, we talked about that coaching, that there's somebody there to kind of guide your training um, and someone there to give that observational feedback and so on and so forth. But what is your opinion on the coaching model or, or how do you see this? I don't necessarily think it's it's like you said, it's it's an old model, not just in scuba and, and other parts. But to me, uh, that that's 
what a good instructor is, is a coach, is someone that's going to be there. Like instructors that I've had uh, after I did my uh, after I did my IDC with Karen Erickson, like we we spoke about her before. uh, I literally was on the phone with her every other day after my IDC asking this, asking that. And that's how I look for my instructors these days is, okay, uh, that person I think I've said it before. It's like, oh, you're, I'm going to be around. Like I'm going to, it's not like I'm taking this class and then bye, you're never going to hear from me again. Um, I'm, so I feel that a good instructor essentially is a coach. You know, I tell all of my students that I've certified, Hey, if you got questions, here's my number, call me anytime. And sometimes they'll call, sometimes they won't. But if people have questions like, Hey, I was thinking about buying this mask. What do you think? You know, I'll give them an honest opinion and say, Hey, go try it on. If you feel it's a good fit, go for it. But I can't, tell you what's the right or wrong mask for you but i so i feel that a a coach is a good or a good instructor is a coach yeah i i fully agree with you i think the difference here and i think that applies beyond just instructors i think good leaders in the entrepreneurship and business world are great coaches and we hear that time and time again i think the difference between uh, saying a great instructor or a good instructor is also a, a coach has that coaching mindset or is a good coach is that as a model, this f- formalizes what you're kind of describing. So it says we're going to formally be in a coaching relationship and it's not just call me whenever, or I'll answer a question whenever it's, I am your coach. I'm there for you. I'm going to put things on your calendar, for example, or I'm going to put things assignments for you to do. And you're going to do them and we're going to have discussions about them that have a purpose. And so it's, it's more, I agree with you. Good. There are great instructors out there right now who are already coaching their students. I would say one, it makes it a more formal relationship. And two, my guess is most of those instructors that are now currently coaching other people informally aren't getting paid for that. And so they're, they got paid for their original class but you didn't get paid for those phone calls that came in. You don't have a chart that you say, Charlie called me seven times. I need to bill him, you know, $20 an hour or whatever. You're saying a coach should get paid. Yes. So the coaching model implies it's a formal relationship between student and coach slash what you're saying, instructor and the coach, or I'm sorry, the student is going to pay for that instruction. It's not like a, I mean, I guess you could have a model where you pay per phone call, but like the model I'm in, essentially I pay a monthly fee and then I have a daily task. I have a coach that I ask questions to, I submit videos to, he assigns me um, tasks and things like that. And I think it's been a great model for me. I, and this is why I'll never be a good business person. I'll never be, you know, I definitely don't want to own my own business, but I just, I wouldn't want someone, I, I would probably turn their money away. If, if they're like, Hey, let me pay you for your time. And and I'm actually very guilty of this. A lot of times where I'm like, dude, don't pay me. Like you're good. I I don't, you know, I I feel, I don't feel I need to take your money for this. I'm just happy to share that information. I'm just happy to, to get your, you know, feedback or I want. So I just, that's why I, I I just, I, I guess I would have to disagree. I feel that I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't want to be paid for that because I, I enjoyed doing it. All right. So let's put that I'm, I'm your student and I want to learn about, I don't know what I want my advanced class. I call you every day for three months. You don't want to get paid. 
Uh, well, if Except I... Except for weekends. Huh? Except for weekends. I call you with a question or I ask you, what? give me an assignment to go do that I can work on today. And I do that consistently for three months. You're not getting paid for that? I mean, if we're friends, then no. Why? Why would I want to get paid? Like well, we're I, not I friends. I'm a student. I'm a student. We're not. Well, that's see, that's where I. It's different because if if it's a student, then I just I don't know. I disagree. I just don't. I don't. One, like, may, I might not pick up the phone every day, but that's fine, <laughs> you know. But well, I'll just be honest. Like, yeah, I'm not gonna pick up the phone every day, but I just feel that. You know, like I get what you're doing. If you're speaking to somebody every day and that's what they're doing, but that's why I just wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. Right, right. You know, so that's what, that's where I mean. But I will definitely be there for somebody. I feel that I don't need to speak to somebody every day to, to get, to, to get better. Does that make sense? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't need to communicate with them every day. It's like, Oh, we can have a once a week or twice a week, three times a week conversation. But I feel that I don't need to speak to you every day to get you. It's like, Oh, I can give you a task and you can go and do that and get better over the course of however many days. And then you can call me at the end of the week. But I just feel that I wouldn't, I don't know. That's just not necessarily for me. Right. Yeah. So I love the model. I think it's I, I think it's one of the most powerful models for me as a diver, and I think it will be a very powerful model for me eventually as an instructor in the sense that it slows everything down and it allows me as a diver to digest things over the course of time and doesn't condense it into a couple of weekends or, you know, a couple of sessions in the pool. And I've really appreciated that as a diver of slowing things down, being able to go deep into a subject, understand that, uh, and be able to ask questions, get feedback on that, train it, and then move on to the next thing. I really have appreciated So, that. well, let's, you know, let's throw this out there. Um, so there, there is this, this understanding or this belief that, scuba is it's it's a rich sport it's you you have to have money to be able to to dive like oh i can't do that it costs too much money so you know are basically if you don't have the money to pay for a coach then you can never get better no well well one i mean i'll be frank i pay 100 bucks a month and that to me that's not an unreasonable amount of money to pay for daily coaching is that everybody yeah. Well, at least there only there's only one model actually. No, no. What what I'm saying is, you you pay a hundred dollars a month. You said for me it's not unreasonable. What about the other individual that's be. struggling? I it's a hundred dollars a month could be the lights turning uh, on and yes, off. Yes, of and, and 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 that's all I'm saying is you can't you can't you know that's why that, under that then you wouldn't take a scuba course anyway no you're absolutely right and so that's why a lot of people can't dive people. we're not a lot of people can't dive but that's another huge reason when i worked in a shop i don't want to sell somebody everything under the sun i know how it was for me getting into it i couldn't afford everything i couldn't afford i'm like okay how am i going to pay for this it was a it was a huge expense for me to be able to afford to get an open water certification so i know how it is so i don't want to sit there and say oh you know if if i had to pay for everything up front i probably wouldn't be here talking to you right now it was i was able to find programs where people were like oh we're going to let you pay 
little bit until you can pay everything until you can get more of that. When I did uh, my my dive guide, uh, or it, back in the day, it was called the the dive con dive control specialist through SSI. They they let me pay portions at a time until I was able to pay it off, and that's what I mean is that's why. When I say that's not for me to have somebody pay me for their time is because I know I couldn't do that. So that's why I'm saying like, oh, okay, there's, there's, I wish I could go and pay to get more training, but that's not an option for everybody. So that's why I try to provide that and not make you feel that you have to break the bank to do it. Does that make, I don't, I don't know. That, that, uh, no, yeah. that's fair. I'm, yeah. And I'm not sitting here saying it's for everybody and everyone should do it. I'm, what I'm saying is, it's a model. Here's how it's worked for me. And to me, it's within a budget range that I'm willing to pay per month. And I just think that that's why I we're talking about the, the training, the certification, or the certification, the training, the coaching. I feel that that should all be I, – I, that's what makes a good instructor is that they're going to wrap all of that into one. They're going to train you so that eventually you earn that certification. They're going to coach you so that eventually you earn that certification. And that's where I'm – um, that's why it's, like I said, I, I think they're all kind of wrapped into one. I understand you're saying the model, but I feel that why couldn't all three of those be under one banner? No one said they can't. What I'm saying is they are distinct models. So if you look at a business model, it's different between those three things. If you look at the application of them, they're different. The instructor may be the same in all of those, but the model uh, for you as a diver to grow is different because you're not going to I, I mean maybe the the premise i'm working from as well is that a certification course or a course over a weekend or even a workshop those sorts of things are going to train you how to train or teach you how to train yeah so you're not so you then you need to imply or you need to employ the training model and one way to do that might be through coaching so they could all be complementary. They could all be different. They could all be, but from a model coaching, I do think if you're an instructor and you're spending that time with the student, I do think you should be paid for that time. I, I understand your perspective that I couldn't pay. And I'm not saying that the only way you get better is through a coaching model and you pay for everyone's time. But I do feel like instructors have incredible knowledge to share. Their time is valuable and they should be paid for that time. So if that's a model that they can utilize for their customers, awesome. Um, if not, then maybe you're doing some informal training, informal coaching where you're not going to pick up the phone every day or you're not going to do an assignment and that's okay too. And that's out of the goodness of your heart or out of your ethical standards. That's awesome. And then maybe there's some times where all a student can afford is a certification and they're going to pay it off over time. And that's fine too. I'm not saying one is better than the other one. What I'm trying to say is, from my perspective, what I needed and what I've really appreciated has been the coaching model that's really helped me grow as a diver. And if you're like me, maybe that can help you. That's all I'm communicating. I'm not saying there's one that's right or wrong um, or better than the other. They're all different and they have different purposes. How do I navigate it? This is how I do it. Yeah. No, and I, I, I get that. I understand that. I'm just, like I said, I'm trying to... I guess see which one fits what person best. And I just don't like, yeah, I just don't want to 
yeah, I get I, I I and I apologize if I brought it there like one is better than the other. I don't think one is better than the other. I think they all complement themselves. Uh but I just yeah, I don't I I felt I feel like instructors that I've met, I've had coaches and I didn't necessarily had to pay them for their time. So And that's why I say it's an emerging model in scuba. I think it's an interesting one. And I really do think that it is beneficial for both the student and for the instructor, there's there's mutual benefit. It's not right for everybody. It's not right for every circumstance. But I think it's an interesting one. If you haven't heard about scuba coaching, if you haven't explored that option, it's an interesting option to explore. And I'll just speak from my own personal experience. It was exactly what I wanted and what I needed. And I've got a ton out of it. But that's me. I'm in my circumstance. It doesn't mean that that's for everybody. So I think that's it's it's all the models there's nothing that necessarily says one is better than the other one or that there are hard and fast rules you can only use i think maybe the only hard and fast rule is you do need to go get a certification if you want to go diving you know what i mean like that's a hard and fast rule from there it it really is up to you where you want to go how you best learn there are different learning styles what level of focus you have for your diving in your life right now if it's a super busy season then maybe you do just want to do some lightweight training. If it's a open season, you have time and you want to put effort into it. Maybe you're doing employing a coaching model, or you know maybe you're on a particular vacation and you want to get a particular certification because you can only get it in that location. So all of these are different models. We as divers have to navigate them all and understand yeah. the differences between them and how to utilize them. And that, and not kind of put value judgments that one's better than the other one, because they're all different and they're for different seasons of life, different purposes. I just think for me, in the season of life that I've been in, the coaching model has been extremely valuable, and I also think it's a really valuable model that is is new to the scuba industry, is new to scuba diving instruction in general, that I think will grow. Hmm. So with that, maybe we we shift <laughs> shift our you know. Uh, focus and talk about that. What what do you think the future of scuba instruction is going to look like? Are we going to stay with these three models? Or are there going to be another one that pops out? Is you know what's going to be the same? What do you think might be different? Why do you think that? I mean, I, I think I kind of said it, but I I think it's going to be a, a a blend of all three, where that's what you get, and like what I said earlier is I think that the industry teaching has, has been, or it's, uh, has gotten better. I know that's no, it's not the right word, it's the right way to say it, but I believe it's better now than it was because of the fact that there is a lot, like I said, there's a lot more information out there to go and see. So I feel that you have to outdo that other, shop essentially not shop but you're like oh okay we have four shops in a row why am i gonna which one am i going to am i gonna go to the one that's gonna give me the quickest certification am i gonna go to the one that's going to give me the best training or am i gonna go to the one that's gonna you know give me all the things that i want the training the certification and the coaching so i i feel that it'll go into all three just because i the level is better the it's higher these days i I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, when I think about the future of 
scuba instruction, I also think about the past. So if you think about the the beginning of scuba instruction and really when it started to be available as a, an activity that somebody could go do, it was weeks long courses, right? It yeah. was like a crazy amount, all kind of coming out of the military and very intense. You needed to know everything there was to know about diving before you even no. touch the water. You know what I mean? Like that was kind of the mindset, which is a very military training mindset. And so as the that evolved, the next evolution of that was, okay, how do we, what do we need to lop off or what do we need to make easier? You don't need to know everything to get in the water. You need to know this and this and this and this. And that, if you take that to its logical, logical extension, right, you come down that slippery slope and say, okay, where does the end of that kind of come to? Well, it's how little do we need to instruct or information does somebody need or does an instructor even need to become an instructor in order for us to get in the water and enjoy diving? And I think you've seen, and again, I'm no history buff of scuba instruction, but I, from what I've what I know and what I've observed and what I've read that that process from the crazy, you know, week long, two week long courses to where we are today, the two weekend course, you know, the, or the one weekend course, uh, two weekends is probably a little more than a lot of people get. Maybe some people did their open water in three days or two days, which I hope they haven't, but I've heard I've stories. Seen three days. Yeah. I heard story two, I've seen two days. Two days. Yeah. yeah. From nothing to, to open water diver certification too. Yeah that we're getting to the logical extension of that, that there's only so much you can lop off before there's nothing left to lop. Like you can't lop off what a breathing from a regulator. Like, please don't like, if you're thinking about that, like you have to teach that. And if the regulator comes out of your mouth, that's why you have a regulator remove and replace is in case it gets kicked out of your mouth or falls out for whatever reason, snack, please don't lop that skill off. Right. But we're, but I'm sure there are people in rooms, dark rooms somewhere wearing <laughs> shady things with evil thoughts. No, I'm kidding. That are thinking about what else can we remove? And maybe they're not saying that way, but they're saying, how do we make it easier to get more people in? Right. And because that's a, that's a, a way that we might be able to get more people in. I think in my opinion, we're coming to the logical conclusion. There's not much left you can lop off. And so with that, I have, I think that there's going to be a third iteration or approaching that third iteration of scuba, which is in one way, what you described those three things mixed together. But I think that there are some really interesting things around this. So I'm going to throw these out to you and you can <laughs> respond and tell me why it's dumb or why you think it's interesting or, or really, I don't care, but these are some thoughts I had. So one of them was, I think that there's going to be more movement in whatever's next for scuba instruction around specialized training and independent instructors. So I hear a lot of instructors that are coming into the business right now or uh, are, are newly thinking about it or thinking about the future, thinking about how do I become more independent from maybe the shop or independent from a single agency wanting to kind of put their own mix of class together based on their best practices. And it's becoming more specialized in the sense of like, I always think I always joke about the specialization, but if you're going to train the rich and famous, how to, uh, how to <laughs> scuba dive, that's a specialty, right? Like you got to know how to do deal with, with, uh, you know, the ego that's involved there, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that more specialized around that type of training, um, that we see. So that's one thing I think that might be in the future of, of training. So I'll let you react to that specialized and independent. 
Uh, well, I mean, the, the the independent instructor, I think, has been around for quite a while, hasn't it? I, I'm not sure. I'm saying more independent than not. I think the independent has been the outlier in the Because I, I think the problem with or, or, or a big reason why they're – uh, just the startup cost for an independent instructor is going to be a lot more than going to work for the shop. But I do know that there's there uh, individuals out there as they they get into it, they're like, oh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna work for the shop, but then end goal in a year, I'm gonna be doing my own thing. Uh, and I want to say there are shops out there, and this is the model that I would like to see. There are shops out there that that happily work with independent instructors it's not necessarily against them but they're working with them to uh you know there's there's enough cake for everybody to eat so we'll do our thing you do your thing let's work together when when we can uh and the specialty so when you say specialty do you mean like oh okay i'm gonna specialize in uh only teaching peak performance buoyancy or or i'm gonna specialize in only doing this uh i i definitely see that you know because you have you have shops like oh i'm gonna this is gonna be a tech shop or oh this is gonna be i'm gonna you know focus on deep dives and nitrox or i'm gonna focus on uh you know cold water diving or or whatever it is Uh, i guess it just depends on on where you're gonna go uh but i i definitely definitely uh i i like the independent factor just because you can because there's i i don't know agencies but there are agencies out there where you can do more than the required standard so it's like okay here are the standards that you have to meet in order to get this certification card but then there's instructors like okay you have to do the course standards but if you want to pass my course then you have to do more than that right so and those are generally like those are uh, the instructors I generally go for these days that are offering more than what just the standard is. All right. So the second one that I had in what I think the future might look like, again, this is all humans are terrible at predicting the future, by the way. So I'm a clairvoyant. Are, are, who knows? But the second one that I think is interesting. And again, I'm coming from this from an entrepreneurial standpoint of, of the future of scuba industry, not just being an instructor but i think what would be really interesting um is collaborations and what i mean by i mean collabs are a part of business industry right now and we're a very popular trend and still are today so it's you know gucci x you know this person or that person these collaborational models and i think it'd be interesting for again a scuba instructor uh, maybe they're independent maybe not maybe a shop doing this but collaborating with another specialty. So maybe it's skydiving, right? That would be kind of a crazy one. But there's a, you know, scuba X skydiving. So it's more of a programmatic approach to these two things, the overlaps between them, the skill set overlaps, because surprisingly enough, and I'm not a skydiver, but I'm good friends. One of the, one of the people on my teams is, is a skydiver. And he talks a lot about the uh, similarities between what you're doing in skydiving in terms of body positioning and flying as they call it and what you're doing in the water when it comes to trim and propulsion and how you move and how you streamline things 
that's an interesting collaboration for somebody again probably a very niche market of people that want to do both skydiving and scuba diving you know and and put it into a program james bond james bond right <laughs> yeah but i could see it doesn't have to be that extreme you could see a collaboration between scuba diving and meditation oh my goodness what an amazing yes when you're under the water there's nothing you know for you uh there's a great opportunity to meditate scuba diving x health right um or scuba diving x weight loss right so there can be some of these collaborations where you bring in somebody who is a health expert around you know nutrition and do a scuba diving course alongside of a nutrition course for a group of people that want that so i i see that as a really cool opportunity for where scuba can be can go um or might go in the future but that's my opinion and again i'm bad at predicting the future where do you see yourself in scuba in five years where do i see as yeah. which side of it personally or in the industry or where either personally i hope i'm deep somewhere in a cave <laughs> um and possibly uh i'm instructing at that point in cave i don't know if i'll be a cave instructor by that point but i hope personally in my personal diving i'm deep somewhere in a cave exploring so you you want to be obviously you obviously want to be an instructor you're in an IDC uh, IDC uh, candidate you're an IDC candidate, candidate yeah. yeah um so where where do you see your teaching like where where do you what you know you're you're talking to yourself in five years from now I know I hate this question more than anything in the world but I'm just I'm curious well, I've lost fifty pounds no I'm kidding <laughs> I, would, I would be a string bean at that point I, I probably couldn't even uh, sink in yeah. water at all with no <laughs> weight but no I would I, I see myself independent uh, even right now I don't have to go that far in the future I could say once I if I if I is a good if if I pass my IDC which is an if um, if I pass my IDC, I definitely will go independent likely because at least where I'm at and here in Austin, as you know, a lot of the shops are not going to work with somebody who's not affiliated with their agency or whatever it would be. So it might be hard for me to work out of a shop. So likely that means I'm going to be forced to be independent, which is okay. And I do see myself exploring these collaborations, right? I do see myself exploring how who here in town in austin is amazing at the meditation side or who's an amazing yogi that's running something can i build a relationship with that person as an independent scuba instructor and then scuba and let's just say health are the backdrop for a group of people that have that growth mindset around those things that's how they want to grow i do see myself for example i work with a lot of founders i think scuba diving is an amazing backdrop to learn about how to become a better diver so i might try that out and say look this is a combined collaboration between leadership development and scuba diving and we're going to look at the similarities of these two things and we're going to train you at both of them at the same time of course this is not a two weekend course yeah this is going to be something bigger than that maybe this is employing the coaching model maybe it's a combination of coaching and training and certification i don't know i haven't thought it through that far but I certainly see myself being able to look at things in that way um, as a diver and as a, and I mean, as a diver, I'd be interested in some of those things. Like, I don't know exactly which collaboration I'd be interested in. I, I think I would be interested in like a scuba slash nutrition course. That'd be really interesting to me um, or whatever it be. So that's where I see myself. How about yourself? Living on an island, drinking rum. No, um, <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I want to, 
obviously I, I really do enjoy instructing. Uh, I, but I do that. That's my ultimate goal is to, uh, you know, live the rich life, not necessarily, um, just kind of rich in what, what I'm doing. So, you know, I'm on a beach, um, instructing and I just, you know, get to be somewhere where I want to be. Uh, that's my, my eventual goal, but you know, having high caliber of instruction. <laughs> yeah. You said so. last like one, two or three students ideally one per class yeah ideally like you know maybe two maybe three it just i guess it depends on the individuals but definitely i think that if if i was teaching it would never be more than three students at one time and, and even then i would probably be very reluctant to take three because uh, it might depend on you know it, I, I feel the private lessons are always a little bit better but i just it's it's a tough one because i don't i don't i don't want to I, I wish that scuba was more accessible to people across the world that that can't necessarily afford it. So that's kind of where I would love to to find a way where I can make it more accessible to people, but train them in a uh, uh, obviously safe way. Because one, uh, there's. I've really wanted to get into, uh, like, I, lo I love the whole adaptive diving thing to get people that normally think, oh, there's no way I, I could dive. And then it's like, no, we're going to get you in the water and we're going to, we're going to dive. Yeah. We're going to, you're going to dive and this is going to be amazing. Um, so I just, I, that's like the goal of mine is to make it more accessible to everybody to where it's, you know, not just, oh, it's this expensive sport, but just like, no, yeah, come out and dive. Uh, I would actually, I, I've thought about this for a long time, is to, uh, is to, uh, I would love to see some sort of thing where we could get, you know, there's a, the, one of the coolest things I've ever done. Uh, when I lived in Colorado, I was, I was a, a snowboard instructor for a little bit. And, uh, one of the funnest or some of the funnest classes I ever had is they would bring these inner city kids out. There was a program that would bring these inner city kids out. And because uh, kind of, you know, snowboard skiing, that's another sport that people are like, oh, that's just super expensive, which it really is these days. I don't even think think where I used to go to a day of skiing is like one hundred and thirty dollars or something a day, which is outrageous. Uh, but to be able to bring, you know, inner city kids out and have them ski, they loved it. They were like, oh, this is the coolest thing in the world, something that they never really do. And to be able to facilitate some sort of program like, hey, come out and dive. We'll get you underwater breathing because uh, it changed my life. So I would love to see it change somebody else's life. So that's I guess that's where I would see myself. I just went on a tangent there. Sorry. Awesome. <laughs> well, good. Well, I think we'll wrap up here. I mean. We really, this is a great topic. I, I don't know what the future will be. I think there are models that are emerging. There are models that are here. Maybe we're coming to the end of some of them. But really that question around the difference between certification, training and coaching, the, the goal here is to help navigate those things and understand how to utilize them and what the future might look like. So we talked about those differences. We talked about how to utilize those in some ways. And we also shared our opinion on what the future of scuba instruction might look like. So we would love to hear your story. What do you think the future of diving will look like in terms of scuba instruction? Which model has worked for you? Have you used these models? How have you hacked them together? 
uh, what has been your thoughts around those. So share your thoughts with us. You can leave a comment uh, on wherever you're listening to this podcast or feel free to send us a direct email at info at thedivetable.com or if neither of those work, you could also reach us by carrier pigeon carrier eel carrier eel yeah <laughs> reach us by carrier eel um you can also go to www.thedivetable.com and send us an email send us a message i think we have um the voicemail you can leave us a, a, a voicemail on our website and we'll listen to that That's maybe we'll nice. even play it on an episode here which would be cool i'm going to leave a voicemail <laughs> for yourself <laughs> yeah. hey nick pick up milk <laughs> I, actually, I, I sent i sent an email to the the info at dive world or sorry i'm sorry, sorry. uh i said i sent a i sent an email to uh the dive table sorry um but i thought it was kind of funny daniel he responded and he was quite rude but he was he was a funny guy so if you enjoyed this episode and you want to be part of building this community there's plenty of room around this table uh, and we're really at the ground level. So you can join us in a couple ways. One, like we mentioned, leave a review. Two, it helps us a lot if you can send this link out to other people. Spread the word, spread the good news. You can send it to your dive team, to your dive buddies, to a friend who's thinking about diving or this topic might be interesting to you. If you hated it, you can send it to your ex. That's cool <laughs> with us too. That still helps us and helps you get some revenge. Um, and so go for that, send the link. And three, again, reach out to us let us know what you liked, what you hated, what you want to hear on future shows. We'd love to hear from you. Again, info at thedivetable.com. So, Nick, anything else from you? Uh, no. Um, that was a good – I like that topic. I think that was a good one. So, I like it. Awesome. I hope you liked it too out there, all you listeners. And thanks for spending your time with us here at The Dive Table. The Dive Table is a production of Fish Dive Surf Incorporated and a member of the Fish Dive Surf Podcast Network. You can find out more at www.fishdivesurf.com.